So that is a, a fungal organism that we isolated from the gut of microbes many years ago. And uh, so what we do is we take and ferment this fungus under very specific conditions, and then we harvest the enzyme product from that, right? So, um, uh, and it has a multitude of many enzymes in there. We've classified 19 different enzymes. Uh, so, uh, so I've said a lot to tell you that Rovabio is a multi-carbohydrate that includes xylanases, debranching enzymes, beta-glucanases, pectinases, proteases, lots of other enzymes as, as, as well, too. So. So, so it's a carbohydrate, uh, basically, uh, with multi-carbohydrates. Yes. yes. So, so you can think of it as an NSPase with a few little other activities in there, in there as well, too. Swine it. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. At a Sale provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. AccuFast, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Start creating your future today at AccuFastSwine.com. FeedFlow, feed is too expensive to ignore. Take control with FeedFlow. A worldwide leader in animal nutrition, Adiseo's portfolio of products includes methionine, the full range of vitamins, enzymes, organic selenium, probiotics, mycotoxin management strategies, and palatability products. With such a diverse offering, Adiseo supports its customers with a broad range of expertise, tools, and services to help them maintain a competitive advantage. Adiseo, fueling predictable profits. To learn more, visit Adiseo at www.adiseo.com. Welcome to the latest edition of Swine It Podcast. I'm Jerry Purvis, your host, and today we have a very distinguished guest, Dr. Mark Giesman. Uh, and, and Mark is the uh, Swine Technical Manager at Adiseo. Mark, welcome to the podcast today. Well, thank you, Jerry. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, for sure. So, yep, um, I guess we'll, we'll just jump right in. Uh, but I've known you for years and uh, know you pretty well. But, you know, maybe people in the audience are not familiar. So maybe take a moment and just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what what you've done and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So um, I, I very commonly tell people I'm just a pig nutritionist. Right. That's uh, that's 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 what I do. Uh, right. So um I grew up in uh, East Tennessee. Uh, I'm, I'm 60 years old, so born a long time ago, uh, right? So I, uh, both my parents were chemistry teachers, actually. Um, and they met uh, in, while they were in graduate student in, uh, at the University of Tennessee um, in the post-war area, era uh, and so forth. And they stayed in East Tennessee. And I grew up on a a uh, small farm in East Tennessee had a small purebred Yorkshire herd, um, and real active in 4-H and FFA as a as a kid, and then came out here to Nebraska to d- go to graduate school. So worked with Ernie Payo for my master's, and then did my PhD with with Austin Lewis as as well too. So um, 
had a pedigree that that stood me in good stead there. And uh, since that time, I started as an active professional swine nutritionist in 1992 with Farmland Industries uh, and uh, did a little bit of research and then have been a practical nutrition for the re- nutritionist for the rest of that time until I started working for Poet in the uh, uh, mid-2000s and worked in the ethanol business for about six years then went back into nutrition work uh, for a little while. Most of my time has been uh, in the cooperative system, uh, working as a as a nutritionist either for Purina, started with farmland, and then Purina uh, uh, later on uh, as as well too. So most of my life has been about trying to figure out how to meet people's financial goals by by feeding pigs, and that's that's what I try and do with my customers now is try and help them use uh, Adesayo products most effectively to meet their their goals. Very good. You know, you've got a pretty, pretty varied experience. Uh, and it seems like a lot of people do start, you know, start, get their early start on a family farm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and experiences there and just spurs that, that uh, I guess, that interest and in, in learning more. Uh, very good. And then you, your parents both being uh, chemistry teachers, I'm sure that weighed a lot on your, uh, you know, your interest in, in the, the technical and the side of, of uh, feeding pigs. It did. It, it did. You know, like so many of us, when I went to undergraduate school, I started out as pre-vet, right? But what I figured, found out real quickly is there at Tennessee, at least, most of those vet students, they weren't my peers, Right. So they were city kids that were interested in getting their A. Right. And they weren't really into the ag classes like I was. And um, um, so uh, that was a big part of me switching my major back over to just plain animal science. And once I did that, because I've always had a postgraduate, always had a postgraduate focus. So once I did that, probably because of my parents and their in uh, their background, I knew that nutrition was kind of the, the the goal for me because chemistry and nutrition are highly related. You know, we talk about amino acids and this nutrient and that nutrient and everything else. So, so that's always been a been a big focus for me. So, yeah, yeah, and good. You know, you, you've been in that uh, practical production nutritionist role, so I'm sure interacting with customers, you you understand their perspective because you've been there and. And uh, understand, you know, the economics of trying to feed pigs as cheaply as possible. Well, you, you know, I I, um, I feel for a lot of our graduate students these days, right, because there's there's no substitution for working for a profit center. Right. And um, uh, and and so that's that's really critical and it's really important and it helps you understand the the realities of the marketplace and 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 so forth so if 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 you have that opportunity to get out there and and try to make your way in the in the real world and figure out how to gain wealth through nutrition or meet goals through through nutrition uh that's that's very important and it's hard to teach that lesson in graduate school i i I think a lot of times about how we do that i really think back to trey's um uh kellner's uh episode here about and some of the talks that we've had about about decision making for nutritionists and 
and how we maybe we need to do a, a better role for that. But that's it's a big deal, and we don't talk about it enough with with students for sure. So yeah, for sure, it, it, you really don't get that in in, in your in your in your college experience. Uh, and so it's, it's almost a, a apprenticeship almost. You got to get out there and just get your feet wet. It's valuable. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Very much. Well, let's just, let's dive in. Uh, Rover bio, tell us a little, you know, a lot of our viewers maybe have some technical knowledge, uh, but, uh, we may have producers, uh, you know, stockmen, whatever, uh, listening. So, so tell us a little bit. What is Rover bio? What is, what is your so, so we like to call RoboBio a multi-carbohydrate, right? So, um, and one one of the reasons why we call it that it is it is an enzyme product from our patented version of Tauromyces versatilis. So, so that is a a fungal organism that we isolated from the gut of microbes many years ago. And uh, so what we do is we take and ferment this fungus under very specific conditions, and then we harvest the enzyme product from that, right? So, um, uh, and it has a multitude of many enzymes in there. We've classified 19 different enzymes. Uh, so, uh, so I've said a lot to tell you that Rovabio is a multi-carbohydrate that includes xylanases, debranching enzymes, beta-glucanases, pectinases, proteases, lots of other enzymes as, as, as well, too. So. So, so it's a carbohydrate, uh, basically, uh, with multi-carbohydrates. Yes. yes. So, so you can think of it as an NSPase with a few little other activities in there, in there as well, too. Or, yes, well... So we don't like that word cocktail, right? So, uh, but but you know because it it is a single organism uh, carbohydrate mix is probably the 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 best way we we like to say. Or the other way I th- like to think of it is we are more than xylanase, right? So uh, because we tag for xylanase activity, we tag for uh, beta glucanase activity. Uh, but uh, so we really think of ourselves as a, as a lot more than than just a xylanase out, out there. So, 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 Mark, what uh, for a lot of reviewers, what why is this important uh, in today's as a tool for nutritionists? Yep, yep. So, um, uh, so a lot of different reasons why that's important. One is because of the xylanase component of Rovabio, we can make dramatic improvements in in viability of pigs. Uh, we can reduce mortality and morbidity by um, uh, by more than 30%, right? If you take our averages, it looks like our averages for Rovabio are about 40%. We don't have a lot of mortality, morbidity research uh, uh, yet with Rovabio, and we'll have more over time, but we know that we have a strong, consistent mortality and morbidity response. Uh, so you get the sustainability uh, responses with that and the profitability responses with that. Uh, we know that we release a lot of energy with Rovabio as, as well, too. And uh, those energy releases in grow finishing pigs, and this would be in terms of kcals per kilogram of net energy. Uh, so those are going to run anywhere from as low as 31 kcals per kilogram of net energy for corn 
all the way up to barley, uh, we're looking at a, a, over 120 kcals per kilogram of, of energy for barley, right? And we, we'd have 84 uh, kcals per kilogram uh, of uh, net energy release, right? So really, really substantial energy releases uh, with RoboBio. So that's another reason why we say we're more than xylanase, right? So we have a substantial one. And then uh, when you get into the south side, then we've seen uh, pretty w- dramatic uh, improvements in terms of sow weight loss, but also in piglet winning weight as well, too. And we also see benefits on the grow finish side in terms of more weight out the door and improvements in feed conversion efficiency as, as well, too. So. so a lot of benefits across all stages of, of swine production. Uh, yeah. Phases yeah. Counts. yeah. Anytime. Anytime you put RoboBio into the pig diet, it's a great thing, right? So not not just for for nursery age pigs, not just for grow finished pigs, uh, but for sows as well too. So so you're saying uh, basically, you know, as, as pig pigs have, they'll have these uh, endogenous enzymes to break down this fiber portion of of, of the diet, uh, and so this is a product that that helps you. Uh, maybe capture some benefit and maybe uh, maybe speak. Let's just take uh, the mortality because I think that's most producers today. That seems to be, uh, you know, the, the, they perk up a little bit when you start talking about improving mortality because that's, that is so financially uh, impactful. You know, you, you have a pig here and, and uh, you, you spend all this money in feed and care uh, and maybe even a pig that you get it up to 200 pounds and all of a sudden, you know, you lose that, that investment. you know, you've got all that money in there. So, so I think uh, it really uh, is, is on the minds of people. Pre, we're talking about sow mortality, pre-weaning mortality, but even growth finish mortality. All this mortality is very financially impactful. So, so maybe talk a little bit about um, exactly how do you think that product improves mortality. So, um, so that's the, that's the $64,000 question, right? So, um, and, and don't have a lot of, don't have a lot of answers for that, but let me just, let me just go to, um, a a few things here. Uh, we probably think that that mortality response is closely associated with, um, uh, with the microbiome. Right. Uh, because and because let's just look at energy release. Right. We we know that more energy is a good thing for pigs. Right. But I don't think that there's anybody out there that would tell you that feeding more fat to grow finished pigs is going to dramatically reduce your your mortality. Right. Maybe some might say maybe a little bit the other way around. So. Right. And that's a number we don't we don't have. very. But we know that more energy is probably not related with with mortality. Right. So it's probably got to be something else. Right. And and we're not talking about huge energy releases here anyway. Right. So it's probably not energy. Um, but we do know, thanks to Dr. Petrie's work and some work that others done, we do know that these xylanases can change the microbiome. Right. And we do know that they are reducing inflammation in those pigs as, as well. Too. We have some data that goes along with that as, as well too. Um, in one of our studies, it's interesting in that study, we didn't see any difference in 
mortality in that study uh, because this was a, a barn that had had PEDV in it in the turn before and had set empty for several weeks before and then been whitewashed down and so forth. So we went into a really clean barn and we only had 1.6% mortality in the whole group, right? But um, it was the exact same for both groups. We only lost 20 pigs in the, in the, 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 the whole barn uh, period. Um, but on the morbidity side, in terms of pigs that we took off test, we had like 9% in the controls, but we had um, uh, 4% in the, in the or uh, um, uh, we had about 8% in the controls and, and uh, less than 5% in the, uh, Rova bio pigs, right? So we took a lot more, fewer pigs off test in Rova bio, right? Got over three percent more pigs to market with Rova bio compared to the uh, to the controls there. And if you looked at those reasons why those pigs came off test, I think we had like six different categories, including even ulcers or even not ulcers, but even even ruptures, right? We have fewer ruptures than we had with RoboBow, but in all the other categories, we had numerically fewer pigs that came off of test for all of those reasons compared to the controls, right? So that tells me that RoboBow is having some impact on well-being of that pig, and that goes along with some of the cytokine data that we've seen in sows with the work that we did with Dr. Petrie at Texas Tech and with uh, Thomas Crone there. We saw reduced cytokines there. So we're having a positive impact on the inflammation of these pigs, and that's probably uh, associated with the microbiome in some shape, form, or fashion. So that's a that's an awfully long answer to tell you what we don't know what's going on for sure, but we know it's a good thing, right? Right. Well, you know, the literature is pretty, uh, it's pretty much supports, you know, a, a xylanase impact on mortality. Most people accept that, you know, uh, that's been proven. So I think your point, you know, uh, if we don't, we don't have to understand the mode of action all the time, as long as we, is we is we're getting a response and it's consistent, then that's important. Uh, think back to uh, we've learned a lot about our, our uh, personally as as we've learned to understand during COVID, you know the importance of our immune system and, and sometimes you're not a whack and and uh, you know your your body's uh, in in a ultra fire uh, immune response and and the consequences it has on our health. Very much, uh, uh, I think people understand that in, in application with pigs as well. You know, you make a good point there on, on variability. I think that's a silent killer. When we go sell pigs, you know, we don't get paid the same for each pig. Uh, that pig has got a window, and if he's not in that, if he's in that window, we get the most value, the full value for that pig. Um, but if he's lighter, um, then we we're really discounted so that's a good point i think people uh the whole average for that lot of pigs that you sell uh if you can move that tighten up that variability you're gonna make more money yeah it, it for, for sure and you see that both on the top end and on the low end as as well too because um there's one study that we did with a cooperator and we hope to get this in for midwest as as well too but but uh with that study um, uh, we, because what RoboBio does is it compresses the, 
the variability on both ends, right on the top end and on the low end as well, too. And we saw some of those control pigs got ahead of us and got way out too heavy out there. We really took a heavy hit on those pigs on the dock on the on the top side as well, too. But we also made money on the bottom end there as as well too because we have uh fewer coals and less short loss on the bottom uh side as as well too so if i had to put a number on that i would i would say in a in a normal population we're going to see probably around 25 cents a hundred weight in terms of benefit for so about 50 cents a pig for for benefit in terms of of the sort loss benefits that, that we're going to give which will more than pay for your Rovabio there, just with that alone, uh, right? And um, but in in some in uh, two of the studies that we ran, we made uh, well over seven dollars per per head uh, uh, more with Rovabio compared to the controls. Now, if you just stick that twenty five cents a hundred weight in and stick a normal uh, uh, death loss in there. Um, then we probably figure if you get that mortality, morbidity response and a little bit of marketing response, you're probably going to see uh, somewhere about around $4 a head um, greater net income per pig place uh, with uh, with Rovabile compared to the to the controls out there. So uh, it, it adds up in, in a lot of different ways, not just getting more pigs to market, but also um, higher dollar per hundredweight because of that lower uh, uh, variability as as well too. So and and we've seen probably somewhere around uh, probably um, uh, around two pounds uh, per pig uh, between a pound and two pounds lower standard deviation uh, in the in our rover bio pens compared to our controls. So it's it's a big deal and it does add up. So yeah, it's very very financially uh, impactful uh, variability. Uh, so as you're saying, you know, you take variability, you take uh, mortality, morbidity, you know, uh, you're, you're getting in some dollars yes. you know, right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and then, you know, let's go back to, uh, I think this is the area people maybe are not as comfortable understanding is is the energy release that, that you see. Kind of explain a little bit maybe, um, you know, that, and, and let's try to maybe understand what, what could that be worth? You know, yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's it's um, you, you know we start rolling these numbers for for um, uh, energy uplifts off our, our off our head. We talk about uh, 120 kcal per kilogram for for barley, right? That's a that's a big number, right? So, uh, but if you look at, at corn, right, 31 kcal of energy per kilogram. That's uh, it's it, it's it's that's not a earth shattering thing, right? If you put that in terms of of uh, uh, pounds of fat in a corn soy distiller's diet, you're probably looking at somewhere around um, mid twenties to low thirties from uh, a fat hog down to a nursery age pig in terms of the amount of uh, release that, that that you would get there right so if 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 you told me your job was go out there and find how much 30 pounds of added fat is going to be worth right you probably be looking for for a new job because sometimes you're going to see that response and sometimes you you aren't right we, we can't even agree in the in the pig industry whether uh 30 30 uh, uh whether 
increasing energy will give you a growth response or not, right? Some people say it well, some people say it well, and they'll, they'll, some people say it's dependent or not. But here's one thing that we know is that if I came out here and offered you um, you know, 30 more takehouse per kilogram of that energy, you know, you would gladly take it. Right. So, um, yeah. And we see that in our, in our, in our studies as well, too, because if, if, if you took the death loss out of the picture and you take all the studies that we have with RoboBio that don't show here in North America, that don't show response, then we're going to get about two pounds more gain. And we're going to get about a one and a half percent uh, improvement in feed conversion efficiency, right? And that fits in pretty well with those energy responses that, that we see. And you see it in some studies and you don't use some, see it in notes because it's so small a response that variability is going to wipe that out sometimes, right? So, but it's there and we all know that we're going to be able to, to, to take advantage of it uh, at that point in time. So, so with today's diet costs, if you take that energy response and work it into an efficiency response, gives you a really nice payback in terms of, of robust. So what we see, you, you know, I took that $4 a pig for plugging in with a mortality response. Um, if you don't get a mortality response, we still would say that you're probably going to cl- uh, clear uh, well over two and a half bucks a pig in terms of, of uh, uh, um, uh response with net energy, just looking just due to that energy uh, release it, itself. And that's that doesn't talk about cost savings or or. Um, um, uh, condition benefit on gestating sows, and it doesn't talk about a heavier pig coming out of the uh, the crate or a uh, better condition sow coming out of the crate uh, as 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 well too, right? So lots of benefits there to to, to greater energy uh, there all, all the way around. So yeah, you know, uh, mortality of course is uh, is a number is, is something that really strikes uh, gets people's attention, but especially today in today's climate, feed efficiency, just like you said, you know, uh, we're with the commodity prices we have today, and you mentioned fat, you know, that's how we, we add fat to, to increase our energy density. And, and fat, you know, fat to corn ratio is just unbelievable uh, high today, and uh, it's historical. And, and I don't think it's going anywhere soon. We're not going to, with a, with a you know, renewable uh programs and, and so that looks like that's not not going to turn around so so very pertinent topic you know if we can everybody's looking for ways they can reduce their feed efficiency we know it's you know one percent fat's going to get us approximately two percent better feed efficiency uh as you said it can vary a little bit again maybe not something that we can you know not something that's this is clear cut but uh but definitely uh that feed efficiency is uh is worth a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. and you know, in in today's pig industry in North America, the only sustainability that we're worried about is whether we're going to be able to make it the next spring when we're making money again, right? 
So, so we, we have to understand that, but, but there will come a time when we're in the black again, when we're going to be worried about sustainability and, and it'll become important for our Packers at some point in the line, uh, down the road as, as, as well too. And if you're improving energy efficiency, you are improving sustainability. No, no doubt about that. And if you look at the line of, 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 of carbohydrates that were available out there, Rovabio has a better track record than, than, uh, the other products on the, on the market, uh, for, for doing that. So, uh, we really see that in birds, uh, where we get higher responses to enzymes, uh, there as well, too. And, and that's one of the reasons why Rovabio is the, it's the, the highest, there's more Rovabio fed than any other carbohydrates in the world out there. And one of the reasons is when it gets a hold of that fiber, it has a lot of different tools to rip and tear with. Uh, and it's such a broad and powerful array of enzymes. And one of the other nice things about Rovabio as well, too, and this is uh, really showcased in, in uh, Amy Petrie's work with Thomas Chrome that's going to come out in the journal here uh, before too terrible long, we hope. And, and uh, in, that, um, uh, in that data set, we had distiller's grains and we had uh, uh, beet pulp, right? And Robobio was equally effective in both of those in terms of improving uh, energy digestibility with ME there. We got about a 3% improvement in ME with, with Robobio there. So that's... Uh, uh, that's kind of you know, gestating south. So that's kind of a big deal there, right? And uh, uh, the nice thing with Rovabio is you can swap back and forth between different fiber sources and you don't have to pull your your micro bin and put something else in there. You can keep going with Rovabio because it's probably going to be effective with that other substrate that you're putting in there as well, too. So, Yeah, that's a good point, Mark. Uh, and I was just thinking uh, as you were talking, you know, uh, how do you measure? I mean, how do you uh, how do you calculate a release when you know we talked corn, soy, which had be pretty much the diets in the Midwest here on the East. You know, we have to, as Jeff Hansen said, we're far farther from the, the corn uh, corn pile, and so we've got to sometimes we have to be creative, and we have some fiber maybe we that uh, are not available. Uh, it makes more sense for us. So, how do you? How do you take a look at those diets and uh, predict? And and yeah, well, so that's one of the benefits of working with a European company, right? Is is that they live their lives using a multiple amount of substrates, right? So it might be wheat, it might be barley, or if you're Canadian, it might be canola. Uh, so um, one of the things. Uh, we have a tool that we call Rovabio Predictor that we use to to predict our, our substrates with. And so um, uh, most of the data that we have right now is based on Rovabio Excel, which was our previous version of, of Rovabio. But we did a massive amount of ileal digestibility studies uh, uh, with Excel, right, to look at that Rovabio response and to see what it was doing for energy release and for uh, amino acid release, right? And so we took all that data and lumped it together and put it into Rovabio Predictor, and it does a really nice job of predicting what those responses would be. And one of the other things that we did along with that um, uh, for a couple reasons, one of them is is that we do have versions of Robobio that have phytase with them as as well too, right? And so we did the legwork to understand 
what that release looks like when you don't have phytase in the diet and when you do have phytase in the diet, because one and one isn't exactly two, right? Because there's a little overlap in terms of what you get with, with relief, with release it when you put a phytase in and a carbohydrates together. So that's one of the nice things about the uh, release numbers that we have is if you're using a phytase, we can help give you a good number about what that release will look like when you're feeding phytase as well too. So you don't have to worry about double dipping on, on release whenever you, you put those into the, into the diets there. So, so speak a little bit maybe about how, how, uh, how phytate and, and a phytase, how, how your phytase, uh, how does that, how do they synergistically work together? Um, so I'm not going to touch that, that um, system with a, with a, with a 10, 10 foot pole. Um, I, I think, I, I, I think maybe synergistically is not the right word, but I think what happens is you get some overlap between the two, right? So, so if, if this is your, phytase release and this is your overbowel release when you put them together you don't get quite two responses right you get you get part of one and part of the part of the other right so um so that's one of the things if if you're if you're trying to load for phytase release right and you're trying to load for rovabow release and you take and put your rovabow response there but you take and put your phytase together with it, you're probably overestimating just a little bit. So right? it's kind of an insurance. You, you've got an insurance so that people are not taking, adding them up. You, you know, you do, you do. So, and, and we see people that, that, that figure for, uh, for uh, loadings and some that, that don't. Um, I think with, with phytase, I'm, I'm totally on board with that because I'm a big believer in, in, uh, energy to amino acid ratios, right? And and using that to set your lysine ratio and then using ideal protein to, to set the others. But I think lysine to energy ratio is very is very critical. And the nice thing about phytase is your energy release and your amino acid release are fairly similar, right? So uh, so you don't have to worry about messing up your energy to amino acid ratio. It's probably not that simple with, with Rovabio, but it's close enough where you don't have to worry about it. I think probably if you're going to use release with Rovabio, it's most important in lactating sow diets and nursery age diets, uh, diets for nursery pigs. That's where you probably need to have uh, um, your loadings in uh, for RoboBio because uh, those are higher amino acid levels, and that's probably where we're going to see the biggest difference in energy release and amino acid release for for RoboBio as as well too. So, yeah, but I think I think certainly on the grow finish side, you can just throw it in on top, and and um, um, uh, it'll it'll work fine under under those conditions. As, as well. Yeah, I think a lot of times we uh, underestimate, um, like you said, most in the Midwest, you'd be on a corn, pretty much corn, uh, soy diet, maybe some distillers. Uh, but there's actually maybe even more fiber, maybe more substrate than people realize, even in a simple, simple diet. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You, you know, we, t- we talk about that 31 kcals per kilogram for net energy. And uh, uh, we can we can certainly get that out of corn, but if you look at soybean meal, that number goes from thirty one up to sixty nine, 
right? And uh, uh, I, I certainly, I, I don't think about fiber still to this day, and I've been doing this for a long time, right? I don't think of soybean meal as a high fiber component, right? But there's only 40% crude protein or uh, 48% crude protein in that product. So you got over half of it that's left. Well, fiber is a big chunk of that stuff that's left. As, as, as well, too. So, um, uh, so, and we don't know all the benefits of, of that yet either, but, um, you, you know, one of the nice things when you, when you work with RoboBio, if, if we move back to feeding more soybean meal, uh, with, uh, with pig diets, then, then that'll be a very positive thing for feeding RoboBio as well, too, because you'll get an even bigger response with RoboBio than what you were getting before when you put more of those protein substrates there as, as, as well, too. So, you know, you look at that, and so if you take wheat release, we're looking at 84 kcals per kilogram of net energy, 122 for barley. Uh, wheat middling's about 98, uh, but corn is all the way down at 31. But then if you look at those proteinaceous substrates, so bean meal would be 69, uh, canola would be 69, uh, sunflower would be 55, and and DDGS is going to be 47, right? So, uh, so all of those protein substrates, uh, there's a lot for Robobio to work on in, in all of those as, as well, too. So, yeah, I had another question, uh, Mark. Uh, just thinking about obviously, uh, a lot of people don't pellet in the Midwest, but uh, people, you know, in the East, pretty much everyone uh, is pelleting their feeds. How did, uh, and we you know the enzymes are, are, are Somewhat pretty sensitive to heat. Yeah, how does how does that product uh, survive? So, so Rovabile is is a fungal enzyme product, right? So it's stable up to about 185 degrees, right? And and um, you, you know, in the in the Midwest, that's going to get a lot of folks here in the in the Midwest, right? In terms of of, of pellet stability, um, but but we also have other applications for that. We've got. Um, a, uh, a coated enzyme that'll get us up to 195 degrees, and and so that'll that'll get us there on a, on a lot of different places. But we also have liquid applications that you can do post pellet application with as 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 well too. So uh, we can cover you on all bases there. We also do a lot in terms of working with the customer to make sure that they're getting the right amount of RoboBio into, into the product as, as well, too. So we can, uh, we can help you there and to get the testing that, that you've done to, uh, to check out that, that post-application feed and, and make sure you have what's in there or, or not. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, so, you know, it's, uh, it's everything we've gone through today is just money, more money back to the producer. Uh, with a product like this, but you know, thinking uh, thinking a little bit on sustainability now, where everyone's looking at, you know, uh, just thinking how. Obviously, we're doing. You're going to use less resources. Most people are going to give that energy value, uh, and and now we've got these byproducts uh, that have more value. So maybe they'll find their these waste streams. They'll find their ways in in the in the diets, mm-hmm. and so. It just seems like a good, you know, it's a sustainable uh, focus that we're looking at and trying to, to use more, more use less resources uh, and get more output in less weight. Yeah, and and one of the, one of the nice things about about Robo Bio is you, you know the inclusion rates 
can be really, really small, right? We've got a tenth of a pound per ton product, right? So, um, uh, so if 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 you can get that applied through a through another mix or something like that, you, you know, then that that takes a lot of your carbon worries about getting the the, the product to to the mill away. Plus, you've got these great improvements in terms of energy release and and, and feed efficiency uh, and and so forth, and that. That is that is the the great thing about the the breadth of the 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 enzyme mix with with RovoBio as well too because you not only do you have xylanase but you got this huge chunk of debranching enzymes as well too you have these really effective pectinases that we show with our with our um, um, uh, data with beet pulp uh, as as well too. Plus, you've got these mananases and these galactosidases and these beta glucanases as 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 well too. So, Robobio is is the ideal product for whatever comes its way, right? And um, uh, I uh, and so it's uh, uh, it's uh, those. Those termites knew what they were doing when they co-evolved with those with those fungal enzymes, right? So, um, so it it really does a, a great job of getting in there and ripping and tearing. And you can take advantage of that diversity for your feed meal by using Rovabio to uh, to to not have to worry about the logistics of changing your enzymes because you're moving from corn to wheat this week as, as well, too, right? So. Yeah, I think that's important because, uh, you know, we can't, you know, we change, sometimes we change formulation on the on the spur of the moment. Uh, it may be planned. It may, you know, all of a sudden we got opportunities. And so it, it said, you know, you need a product that, that kind of works in, in, in every situation. It may be. But, you know, to go back to sustainability, we just, uh, you know, we've got a, We've got to feed. We've got to increase production. I, I, what was the figure by twenty fifty? I think uh, most people say uh, we need to double our, our food production, and uh, and that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough uh, in the climate. So it's not only we're putting money back in producers' hands, but we're doing something for the global good of, of all mankind. You know, we're 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 helping put more more product, more protein. You know, and uh, and, and and it's sustainable to the to the to the producer. You know, he's got to stay in business, and uh, so if he can stay in business, you know, and, he, and and it's just amazing what technologies are coming down the pipeline and, and over the years. Just I can remember when Vitase was was something. You know, we just we looked at it, and and uh, you know, it made sense. Finally, it made sense economically. But uh, but now I mean there's no diet today I would say no ton of feed probably milled in anywhere that doesn't have a phytase in it. Yeah, yeah, Jerry, you and I are old enough to remember those days before phytase, right? And they taught they taught us in graduate school that you that that um, uh, it didn't work to to feed enzymes because they all got destroyed in the stomach, right? So um, I re- I remember those lectures in in uh, in in graduate school, right? So and then here comes phytase and just at, at the time just blew everybody's mind, right? Because we all knew that this stuff wasn't going to work because it go- wasn't going to make it through the stomach, right? And uh, uh, and it did, and it does, and um, and it, it has a has a has a great impact. Uh, uh, yeah, for for sure. So you you know one of the, one of the other things that people don't think about with phytase 
with sustainability as well, too, is that when you feed that phytase, you can get monocal and limestone out of the diet as as well, too, right? And that's it. So it gives you more space. Plus, it gives you better feed efficiency as well, separate and apart from those releases that it has. So it's it's a it's a really, really powerful tool. And that's why we did that work uh, with Rovabio to look at Rovabio release with a phytase and without a phytase because we know that just looking at that Rovabio release isn't, isn't enough. We need to know how it reacts with a phytase. As, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Phosphorus, uh, not only being, you know, probably our third most expensive uh, ingredient in our diets, but, uh, you know, just, just looking at uh, sustainable, you know, environment, environmentally, uh, Good things, and and so yeah, it's uh, who knows what's gonna what's gonna come out next. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, but yeah uh, I, I love the way that uh, and, and, you know people are slow to adopt new technologies. I think, but uh, as as we bring more products and 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 you like see you got data and and the products work, people will adopt. Yeah, I I really think so. So my my crystal ball says great things about these medium chain fatty acids out here as, as, as well too. Right. And we're all familiar with, with these, these feed mitigation responses that we can get at high inclusion rates with, with C12 or, or C12 esters as, as, as well too. You, you know, those are great things, but there's a lot of other good that we're going to get from those medium chain acids as, as, as well too. So, um, so, Look for that coming down the road because I think we're uh, we're all going to be feeding medium chains for a lot more things besides feed mitigation. I think in the in the future as well too. And I, so I think our uptake on those has 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 been a little slow, uh, but we'll we'll find it as as well too. Right, like back in the day, we never understood why we would get these good responses with coconut oil sometimes and we wouldn't see it with others. Right. And, and it was a medium chains that, that were probably uh, res- responsible for that. Right. And um, um, so I, I really think in another 10, 15 years that, that we'll be have a, um, uh, a lot more use of, of medium chains and what we have in the industry out there uh, today as, as well too. So, yeah. Very good. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wisemetics, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business. It's time for our famous three. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. MS Gold, the best hygiene products in livestock farming. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. Cloud Farms, swine management to the next level. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Curious to discover if you can manage your animal data and teams work with the touch of a finger? 
Some of the best and largest pig farm holdings worldwide use cloud farms to collect and analyze data like never before. How? With the most advanced mobile app to collect data accurately and super fast. For breeding, farrowing, weaning, and finishing. Also, this is the easiest way to assign tasks to your team and motivate to work more efficiently. You instantly understand what gets done on time and what doesn't. So yes, you can manage your animal data with the touch of a finger. Well, we're at, uh, you and I probably could go on talking for days, probably on, on at least <laughs> topics, uh, sow mortality, but uh, we always end uh, with three questions. And uh, first question is, what is your favorite resource? Uh, about pigs or... Yeah, so so I have I have the same ones that everybody else, but but I'm really disappointed that nobody has has singled this. I use my NRC a lot. It's it's never out of reach. There's there's times when I'll even take my NRC on the road with me as as well too, right? But but I want to give a shout out to Dean Boyd and Weasley Orlando and the PIC Nutrition Manual as as well too and and um uh i'm gonna give dean credit for starting that i really don't know if he adopted a version or or not but um uh, but i think they probably do a, a as good a job of uh of putting out a well-reasoned and pretty complete package in terms of of helping you get to nutrient specifications of a of a of a of a, of a, a Time. And I, I also want to give a shout out to Matt Cumberson and Weasley and all that, all his team, because it's there's a lot of people involved there, right? There's people in Europe and there's people here in the states, and and they put a lot of money into to regularly assessing those uh, those nutrition needs of that PIC pig. So I think they need to get some recognition for that, and and it is. A, a reference that I use on a regular basis, maybe even as much as I use my NRC. So I think I think they need to get some recognition for that as well. Too. I, I totally agree with that. I, I and I've got a copy of one, you know, just a few few feet over. So, so I totally agree. They do a great job of uh, of putting together requirements, of putting the money in, and, and, and figure these things out when they get recommendations for things. And uh, it's just a great manual. Uh, it is so. I, I totally agree with that. NRC, yep, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, very good. Yeah, that that the PIC team does a great job, and it, it's a very useful. Like I said, I use it all the time uh, for reference, and it, it do a great job. Uh, secondly, um, think about who may be some of your biggest influencers on your career. Yeah. So. Um, um, so when I think about that, I think about my my 4-H advisor Dale Beatty, my FFA advisor um, uh, 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 Marshall, and then my my um, livestock judging coach Larry Cunningham. Okay, and and uh, um, I think uh, so. They did several things for me. They taught me how to compete. Right. Um, and, and that was good. But they also put me into a position for success when I got into uh, undergraduate school as, as, as well, too, because of the success that we had in that side. And they were they were also 
university personnel as well too. So I I knew a lot of my professors. My, my so here's another one, uh, Professor Ed Livall, right? He was a he was a he was an AGR guy, but he was a still good still a good guy, right? <laughs> and uh, um, uh, but I knew Ed before I even came to the University of Tennessee. Right. So so I had a leg up on a lot of those undergraduate students and in in terms that people knew me before I even even got there and and felt like I had community and school and and so forth. And uh, so those those are some names that uh, and then, of course, Ernie Pale and Austin Lewis, my major professors as, as well. too. It's a big, long list, but really thankful for people that have helped me out along the way there uh, as, as well, too. So. No doubt. You know, it's hard. It is really hard to, so, to a lot of times to get down to one person. We're, we're kind of like, uh, you know, uh, it takes an in, uh, a tribe to raise yeah. the Indian. We all have, we take the parts from throughout our career and throughout our life from different people and, and all the positive, you know, impacts that uh, they got us to where we're at today. So very true, very true. So lastly, uh, what would you say are some of the uh, characteristics of su- successful people? Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't like this question, Jerry, right? So, um, but because it always makes me uncomfortable. And, and the reason for that is, you, you know, we I see a lot of people in the pig business that the industry would certainly deem to be successful or famous or whatever. And I look at those people and I think, I don't want to be that guy. Right. And um, uh, so so I have a tough time with that. And I've thought a lot about this and 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 uh, uh, but but because I I think for me, at least um, success is people that spend an lot of time assessing what it is that they want to get out of life and then put practices in place to get there. Right. So and it has nothing to do with fame or uh, it's figuring out what it is that you truly want in life. And I would caution a lot of these young people out here that 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 fame isn't that important. Right. Uh, That there's a lot of other things out here in life that can bring you more pleasure in life than somebody knowing what your face looks like. Right. And um, um, so. Um, as they would say in Raiders of the Lost Ark, choose wisely when it comes to, to setting those goals for your life. And to me, that's that's what makes a successful person. So, yeah, yeah very, very true. It's it's, uh, you know, success means a different to different people. And and, uh, you know, it's 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 not where, it's not where we get sometimes, but it's just the fact it's, it's the that we set a goal and, and, and we. It doesn't have to be a we accomplish big things, but uh, but we, we we set out to do what we want to do, and and uh, you know their success in that, and uh, and so yeah, absolutely, it's not reaching the mountain. Sometimes it's just it's just putting in the uh, effort and uh, and moving that and that that ride, you know, to get where we're at. So very true, very true, no doubt. Well, Mark, it's been uh, it's been great. Uh, I know I've learned a lot, and I know our viewers probably have learned more and, and maybe have a better understanding about uh, NSPACs, carbohydrates, and, and how they can impact their, uh, financially uh, our operations. So I appreciate you uh, taking time to join us today. My pleasure. Thank you for the time, Jerry. All right. Take care. 
The journey of a hero has challenges, battles, and villains. But after the fight is won, new paths are open, and it's time to catch our breath and move forward. More powerful and super than ever. And you, hero of the swine industry, do you have your cape ready to take new flights? Swine Talks 2023, December 6th and 7th. Together, we're more super than any obstacle.